the evening to you. Happy th- St. Patrick's Day to everyone out there, except for Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick making some questionable decisions for this offense for the Patriots, starting with the right tackle problem. They have three backups at right tackle now, and then they go out and sign Mike Gusecki. And I like Mike Gusecki. I think he's a good player, good football player, but come on. We're going to sign Mike Gusecki just after getting rid of Jonu Smith, who we also couldn't use. Doesn't make any sense. Does not make any sense. Neither does it make sense. The people saying that Dante Foreman is a negative for Khalil Herbert. No. Dante Foreman is an average running back. He's a plotter. He's a between the tackles bruiser. Khalil Herbert is the real deal. Top 10 in many advanced metrics. Love Khalil Herbert. He is an RB1 this year. Dante Foreman is a pure backup. Got all that and much, much more on Player Profiler today. Happy to have everyone on the show this St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone. All of those chasing that pot of gold out there in NFL free agency, including Mike Gusecki. Mike Gusecki misused, underutilized by the Miami Dolphins. They couldn't find a role for him in this new offense. This new Mike Daniel offense couldn't find a role for Mike Gusecki, which is curious. You couldn't put him in the slot. You had to have Trent Shurfield there. Curious. Very curious. I'd rather have Mike Gusecki in the slot than Trent Shurfield. And I might rather have Mike Gusecki at X receiver than Devontae Parker, if I'm being honest. So here's the curious part about Bill Belichick and his moves this offseason. Initially, it's reported $9 million for Mike Gusecki. Whew, that's that's a little bit steep for a player you're not going to use, but actually the deal is for $4.5 million. That is pretty good for Mike Gusecki. Pro Bowl caliber tight end, big wide receiver, and Bill Belichick, he's commented on Mike Gusecki in the past. He says he's a big receiver. I mean, he's not really a conventional tight end, but he's a tough matchup in the passing game. And what makes this even more interesting is that it's not actually just Bill Belichick that wanted Mike Gusecki. It is Bill O'Brien. Yes, Bill O'Brien, the new offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots, he's actually the one that recruited Mike Gusecki to Penn State back in the day. Because remember, Bill O'Brien, head coach of Penn State, Mike Gusecki, tight end at Penn State. So we just see the connection stacking up. And then we talk about Kansas City, the Kansas City model, where they have one star in Travis Kelsey, and then just a bunch of serviceable guys at the rest of the positions. Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, just guys. And New England doesn't have an all-star like Travis Kelsey, but they've got guys at every position. But Mac Jones is no Patrick Mahomes, so this is just a little bit different. It's not the same situation. Regardless, we now have Devontae Parker slash Mike Gusecki at X receiver. Mike Gusecki. I think he actually ran a faster 40 than Devontae Parker, or at least now could run a faster 40 than Devontae Parker. And I know Mike Gusecki's play speed is more of a tight end than a wide receiver. His 4-5 is not reflected in his NFL play speed, but he can run. He can run, and he can block too. He's just not the inline blocker that Mike McDaniel wanted him to be. So maybe it's Gusecki at X receiver. They move on from Devontae Parker. They've got Tyquan Thornton last year's Second round pick, the speedster. He's at Z now, replacing Nelson Aguilar, which means Kendrick Bourne, 
likely in the slot, or maybe they put Mike Gusecki in the slot and have Kendrick Bourne outside and still move on from Devontae Parker. Or they just have Mike Gusecki play the flex tight end role, that off-the-line, H-back type. See, for a good offensive mind, this is actually interesting. This is potentially a very versatile offense that we're going to have for the New England Patriots. But there's no guarantee. Because we saw a good offensive mind in Josh McDaniels. He had Joe New Smith and Hunter Henry. He had both of them. Nah, I'd rather run a fullback than a second tight end. I'd rather have Jakob Johnson on the field than Joe New Smith. And then you get Matt Patricia coming in. Yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing, so I'm not going to use Hunter Henry and Joe New Smith. Could Bill O'Brien actually unlock multiple facets of this offense could bill o'brien coach something up for the new england patriots i don't know i hope so the patriots are better or nfl is better when the patriots are good when they are the villains of the nfl but here's the problem because i talked about the kansas city chiefs model they are going all in on just having guys at wide receiver as long as they are serviceable it's fine we want to be deep not going to overpay for anyone except our star, Travis Kelsey. But we're going to be deep. We're going to be versatile. The problem is Kansas City is doing that because they're investing in their offensive line. They have an all-world offensive line. All-pro center, Creed Humphrey, Jawan Taylor. They just paid big bucks to move to left tackle. Joe Thune, Pro Bowl guard. Cole Strange. No, Cole Strange is the Patriots. Uh, Trey Smith. The right guard, he is, I think he's a pro bowler too. But Kansas City has invested in their offensive line. That's why they've decided, hey, we we can protect Patrick Mahomes. He can just get it to everyone. And granted, I think Mac Jones is that type of quarterback. It's different, but Mac Jones is the kind of guy where he is just going to hit the open receiver. He's not going to extend plays like Patrick Mahomes, but if you give him enough time, he's going to dissect the defense figure out where the ball needs to go, and it's going to be fine. Problem is the Patriots don't have that. They don't have an offensive line where it will protect Mac Jones while he's throwing to just a bunch of guys. Because at left tackle, he's got Trent Brown, who's serviceable, but he's getting up there in age. Left guard, Cole Strange, he played pretty well as a rookie. He's improving. Right guard, Micah Wenyu, he is looking like a star in the league. And center David Andrews, he's fine. But at right tackle, you've got three backups. You brought in Connor McDermott, who was on the Jets practice squad. He started games for you last year with the Patriots. And oh, well, it worked out well with Connor McDermott. Yeah, he's a he's not it. He's not the answer at right tackle. Riley Reef. Riley Reef couldn't start consistently for the Chicago Bears last year. And he's the solution at right tackle. Calvin Anderson, the part-time left tackle of the Denver Broncos. He's the answer. New England Patriots, I get the idea where we're just deep and versatile at our skill position players, but you got to have the offensive line to protect Mac Jones. And right now the Patriots just don't have it. And it could change in the draft, but for now, I'm still wondering what's going on in New England. What is the plan? What is the identity of the New England Patriots? Someone help me out because I don't know. I really don't. And at running back, too. 
we see them bringing James Robinson. Is he the new Damian Harris? Well, not so fast. If you look at the depth charts on playerprofiler.com, we actually have James Robinson as RB3. We are projecting Pierre Strong to take a step forward in that pass-catching role, that James White role, that Shane Vereen role, that Kevin Falk role. We've seen it throughout time. So I understand everyone wants just wants to go, well, James Robinson, new Damian Harris, going to be a thorn in the side of Ramondre Stevenson. Not so fast. It might be Pierre Strong. Or it could be a rookie because the Patriots, when they were coaching the Shrine Bowl, they tested out all of the pass catching backs. The Falcons, all the grinder backs, Patriots, all the pass catchers. So don't be surprised if they end up adding a pass catcher and James Robinson all of a sudden, he's RB4. Could get cut. I'll be interested to see how it all pans out for the New England Patriots because in the moment, it looks bad. You have honestly created a larger hole at right tackle than you had last year with the moves you've made. You get rid of Jacoby Myers and replace him with Juju for a little bit cheaper, but eh. Eh. That's all I can say about the New England Patriots offseason so far is eh. At least they got Bill O'Brien. Hopefully he puts things together. Eagles re-signed a few defensive guys. So that's, uh, oh, I thought, oh, I thought you were breaking some news there that CJ Gardner Johnson had been signed. Nothing here. Nothing has broken so far since I've been on the show. Shaping up to be a Pacheco kind of offense. James Robinson to the rescue. Get, I don't know about James Robinson to the rescue. All three. Oh, I don't know if all three are better than Ramondre. I think we are underrating Ramondre Stevenson at that, this point, good pass catcher. Fine between the tackles runner. He, just was asked to do too much last year. The offense was completely Jacoby Myers and Ramondre Stevenson. There was no other threats and no other scheming for the New England Patriots. So I think with a real OC, it will help, but still really wish they brought Jacoby Myers back. They could have made it happen. Could have happened. But anyways, looking at the Chicago Bears offense and going to be honest, I have a little bit of a bone to pick with my colleague here at Player Profiler. Yes, see, I am calling out Jason Allwine earlier today on the Wake and Take show. I I got an issue. But before we get to that, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. I am not happy with the take of Mr. Jason Allwine earlier today. Jason Allwine talking about the signing of Dante Foreman and how, oh, this is bad for Khalil Herbert. I'm not touching either of these guys. Khalil Herbert, Dante Foreman, no, no, no. They're They're the same player. They're just between the tackles plotters. Don't want either of them. They're going to eat into each other's workload. Nope. And that's just not true. Jason is misleading you. I'm sorry. I love Jason, but this, this is not the truth that he is telling you. These are not the same player at all. Khalil Herbert is much, much better than Dante Foreman. We saw Khalil Herbert one game, one game as the full-time starter. No David Montgomery. What did he do? Oh, well, you know, he just goes out and puts up 30.9 PPR points, the RB1 on the week. It just, it triggers my memory. You know, there was a running back who had to split a backfield with a veteran for a period of time, but that veteran got hurt, missed a game. And all of a sudden, Tony Pollard is the RB1 on the week. Now, different style of players, Khalil Herbert and Tony Pollard, but come on. Khalil Herbert is far and away better. Than Dante Foreman. Some of the stats on Khalil Herbert. He is number seven 
in yards per touch, 5.7 yards per touch. Dante Foreman, 4.2 yards per touch, number 32. Dante Foreman, average running back, Khalil Herbert, top 10. True yards per carry, Khalil Herbert, number five. Dante Foreman, number 32. Juke rate. So how often these players are causing missed tackles or causing tackles not to be made. Khalil Herbert, 39.1% juke rate, set number seven in the NFL. Dante Foreman, a 25% juke rate, number 30 in the NFL. So you see, in all of these stats, in all of these advanced metrics, Khalil Herbert is simply better than Dante Foreman. In fact, Khalil Herbert is so much better than Dante Foreman that despite Foreman having 70 more touches than Khalil Herbert, Herbert still forced two extra missed tackles on 70 fewer opportunities. Khalil Herbert, simply better than Dante Foreman. Yards per touch last year, or yards created per touch last year. Khalil Herbert, 3.92, number nine in the NFL. Dante Foreman, 2.43, number 39 in the NFL. Dante Foreman benefited massively from that Carolina Panthers offensive line, those road graders, those maulers down in Carolina. Now he goes to the Chicago Bears, a improving offensive line, an offensive line that will continue to be reworked, revamped, invested in. But Khalil Herbert can do it on his own. He doesn't need a good offensive line. We saw it last year. Khalil Herbert is that dude. Dante Foreman at $3 million a year is just a backup. And Jason Allwine is just wrong on Khalil Herbert. That will bring us to the rest of the offensive moves around the NFL. But before we get to that, check in on the chat. Herbert, efficient AF. Yes, he will. Bears offensive line will get some improvement through the draft. They'll continue to invest in free agency. They're absolutely not done with just Nate Davis. They're going to add more. They're going to add depth. They're going to do the right thing. They are going to do the right thing in Chicago. I am excited for this team. Won't be surprised. If they're the number two team in the NFC North behind the Detroit Lions. Packers, Vikings, they are getting worse. They're shedding contracts. Packers can't make up their mind what they want to do with Aaron Rodgers. They're asking for more and more money. Oh, I saw DJ Chark's name. You got me there. Twitter, you got me there with the notifications. DJ Chark visited with the Carolina Panthers. We knew that. No deal yet. He's going to visit some more teams, it sounds like. But before we get to the moves on offense, we do have an offensive move. Yes, Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder is running with his tail between his legs. He is cowarding away. He has slinked out of the Washington Commanders facility, moved out all of his stuff. Dan Snyder, despite the fact that he claimed he would not sell the team ever, that he would never change the name from the racist name that he had, Dan Snyder loses again, moved out of the commander's office, looks like he's going to sell any day now. I don't know when, I don't know to who, I don't know if it'll be to Jeff Bezos because Dan Snyder's mad that Jeff Bezos' newspaper wrote about him. But regardless, Dan Snyder, it looks like he's going to be gone any day now. Now we get to some moves around the NFL at quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, he has signed with the with the Las Vegas Raiders officially. He's there. He's with the Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels gets his guy. And Shane Steichen gets his guy as well. Steichen brings with him 
backup quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, Gardner Minshew. He is technically the starter right now. At least I would say so, because it's Gardner Minshew at QB1. Sam Ellinger, QB2, I guess, or Nick Foles, QB2-3. So Nick Foles is going to get cut. Maybe Sam Ellinger sticks on the roster as QB3, but they're going to have a rookie. They're going to draft someone. Unless the Colts do the smart thing and full-on tank with Gardner Minshew, which they won't because we already saw Jim Irsay impatient. He couldn't tank last year when he had the perfect opportunity to. Instead, he tried his best to win games and forced, for, I don't know. If Jim Irsay really wanted to tank, he would have kept Sam Ellinger as a starting quarterback for the rest of the year. Instead, he allowed Jeff Saturday to put Matt Ryan in, who was better. Um, he was bad, but better than Sam Ellinger. So regardless, I think the Colts are going to draft a quarterback. Gardner Minshew will be the backup. Maybe he starts some games while the rookie learns the ropes, but Gardner Minshew signs with the Colts. Marcus Mariota signs with the Eagles. One year, $5 million deal up to $8 million. And interestingly enough, this is the same contract that Baker Mayfield's getting. Essentially it's four and a half million dollars for Baker Mayfield this year. That's his base salary less than Marcus Mariota. Baker Mayfield can make up to 8.5 million, I believe. So a little, he can make up more than Mariota, but Baker Mayfield got a backup quarterback contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now he's probably going to be the starter because Kyle Trask is also a backup, but it's interesting when you follow the money, Baker Mayfield, worse contract than Marcus Mariota, potentially worse contract than Jacoby Brissett, objectively worse contract than Taylor Heineke. Baker Mayfield's a backup. He's Drew Locke, who's back with the Seattle Seahawks. Baker Mayfield's Cooper Rush, who's back with the Dallas Cowboys. Only He's not making that much more than Cooper Rush. Now, Cooper Rush, up to $6 million over two years. Baker Mayfield, up to $8 million over one year. But Cooper Rush, $3 million this year. Baker Mayfield, four and a half. It's not that different. It's not that different. Baker Mayfield, he's a backup. Or he's making backup money to be a starter because Kyle Trask stinks doesn't stink but he's not a starter Rashad Penny though Rashad Penny believes he is a starter he is looking to restart his career believes that 17 games is important and as much as it pains me to say and as much as it pained me to do earlier today Rashad Penny is the RB1 on the depth chart ahead of Kenneth Gainwell he is the RB1 for the Philadelphia Eagles in our rankings he's gonna get the early down carries he's gonna get a lot of the goal line work Kenneth Gainwell, I'm telling you, he's going to be the better pick than Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny's going to miss time. We've already seen Kenneth Gainwell can be trusted at the goal line on third down. So while Rashad Penny, he's climbing up in the rankings, Kenneth Gainwell, he's still here. He's not going anywhere. Kyle Trask does not stink. That that was that I over overstated there. I was being a little bit hyperbolic. Kyle Trask just... He's also a backup. Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, battle of the backup quarterbacks to be a starter this year. Both worse than Jacoby Brissett, who is making better money than Baker. I still can't believe this. Speaking of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, though, paying people backup money, Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds, he's making backup money to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers backup. Chase Edmonds gets the veteran minimum, $1 million and $1 million. $90,000 for Chase Edmonds. Cheap, 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 cheap. Crazy. 
Crazy, crazy. But we do believe that Chase Edmonds will be the backup. We believe that Chase Edmonds is a more effective wide receiver, more effective pass catcher out of the backfield, more effective pass blocker than Keyshawn Vaughn. So Chase Edmonds is going to be RB2 in our rankings, RB2 on the depth chart behind Rashad White. And if no changes are made, interesting, very interesting, as is the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills, they cut Isaiah McKenzie. They saved less than $3 million to cut Isaiah McKenzie. So this was not really about the money. This was about the fact that they would rather have Deontay Hardy, who they paid $4.5 million a year, and Khalil Shakur, who they drafted. Isaiah McKenzie, he previously was the wide receiver four. So it'll be interesting to see, is Deontay Hardy the wide receiver four slash punt returner that Isaiah McKenzie was last year? And Khalil Shakur is the new Cole Beasley? Because that's what I hope. But I also hope that instead of jettisoning talent, getting rid of Isaiah McKenzie, getting rid of wide receivers, that the Buffalo Bills start adding weapons because Gabe Davis isn't it. Opposite Stephon Diggs, you need more to help Josh Allen out. So get him some talent, get him some weapons. Even Braxton Berrios going to the Miami Dolphins, that would help. Maybe you get Odell Beckham if you're the Buffalo Bills. The Jets, listening to Aaron Rodgers, they're a little bit in on Odell Beckham. I know it's not a wish list that Aaron Rodgers has, but he also said players that he wants, and Odell is one of them. Apparently, one of the players he wanted was not Robert Tunyon, or if he did, didn't want him enough. Robert Tunyon goes to the Chicago Bears. I haven't seen the financials on this one yet. Don't believe I know what the pay is, but Robert Tunyon, great for Justin Field. Going to allow them to run more two tight end sets, allow them more base personnel on defense, which is great for Justin Fields because you get more linebackers on the field. What linebacker in the NFL is catching Justin Fields in the open field? There ain't many of them. So you get Robert Tunyon. You run more two tight end sets with Cole Komet, Robert Tunyon. You run three tight end sets with those two and Chase Claypool. Justin Fields, those heavy sets are going to be dangerous for the Chicago Bears. Love what Ryan Pace is doing, continuing to invest in Justin Fields, build around him. Chargers, building around Justin Herbert, bring back Donald Parham. And the Cincinnati Bengals, they're investing, they're building around Joe Burrow. They bring in left tackle. Or tackle. The Cincinnati Bengals bring in left tackle Orlando Brown. But that was supposed to mean Jonah Williams, their current left tackle, he kicks over to the right side. Jonah Williams doesn't want any of that. He doesn't want to be a right tackle. He wants to stick at left tackle in the NFL. He has requested a trade from the Cincinnati Bengals. Didn't see that one coming at all that Jonah Williams would want out. So there's two scenarios. Number one, the Bengals say, no. No, you are in the fifth year of your deal. You're playing out on $12 million, and then you can hit free agency next year, and you can tell teams you're a left tackle. But this year, you're a right tackle for us. Because you're not getting a trade. You just had a bad season, and you dislocated both kneecaps. So no, we're not trading you. Or... The Bengals could take whatever they can get and start Cody Ford at right tackle. <sighs> Bills fans, Cardinals fans gasped when they heard Cody Ford. Bills fans thinking, yeah, start Cody Ford, Cincinnati Bengals. We would love that. We would love, love, love to see Von Miller against Cody Ford. But the Bengals did introduce Cody Ford as a right tackle in his press conference and his signing. 
that matters. Is he a backup right tackle? Is he going to be the starter until Lael Collins is healthy? Does Jonah Williams moving to the right side mean they keep Lael Collins, let him get healthy? Does Jonah Williams moving on mean they keep Lael Collins? I don't know the answer, but Bengals probably going to keep Jonah Williams. Probably not going to jettison talent on the offensive line and they can, unless they can get a premium pick. But otherwise, they're probably getting a third round pick because Jonah Williams, he will be near the top of next year's offensive line class. I know he's been inconsistent, but he'll still be at the top of that class. And so he'll get a payday next year. If it's not with the Cincinnati Bengals, someone's going to pay for offensive line talent. We see Jermaine Illuminor. He gets paid to stay with the Las Vegas Raiders. Made 17 starts last year. 16 at right tackle. One at left tackle. The Chargers bring back Storm Norton to be their swing tackle. And I misreported Trey Pipkin's contract. He returns to be the right tackle. It's $7 million a year. Not $7 million total. That was my mistake. So Trey Pipkins, $21 million, $7 million a year. He'll be the right tackle of the Los Angeles Chargers. They'll move Jamari Salyer, the guy who stepped in for Rashawn Slater at left tackle. He'll kick inside to left guard, replace Matt Filer. And the Chargers, all of a sudden, they've got a pretty dangerous offensive line as long as Corey Lindley, all pro center, is healthy. Right guard Zion Johnson will continue to improve. Jamari Salyer is an upgrade at left guard over Matt Filer. Rashawn Slater being healthy is an upgrade at left tackle over Jamari Salyer. Chargers. Bengals, Chiefs, all these teams are building to protect their star quarterback. Saw Eagles do it ahead of time with Jalen Hurts. They put weapons around them. It's a fun NFL we're looking at. It's a weird one. It's a weird free agency where the skill position players are not getting the money we expected and the offensive linemen and the defensive tackles, they're getting paid. Hey, it's a new world and I'm here for it. Rounding out some Final updates on the defensive side of things and special teams. We had a bunch of special teams moves. Michael Badgley, kicker back with the Lions. Josh Lambeau, kicker for the Chargers and Jaguars. He has retired. We all remember Josh Lambeau for getting kicked by Urban Meyer. Jake Bailey, the punter of the New England Patriots who got cut. You're also surprised when he got suspended and then he gets cut. Now he's with the Dolphins. Former Dolphins punter Thomas Morstead goes to the Jets. And current Jets punter Braden Mann apparently is on the trade block. And I'd be surprised to see a trade for a punter, but crazier things have happened. Crazier things like Jalen Mills being released by the New England Patriots and leading to the starting three. It's Jones, 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 X3. Jonathan Jones, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones. Patriots have three Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses in the Patriots secondary going forward. And finally... Our final little update that we have here, the Seattle Seahawks. They're making moves. The Seattle Seahawks, John Schneider. He's back. He is on his game. The Jamal Adams trade was a mistake. Hasn't worked out to this point. Don't know how he'll return heading into 2023, whether he'll be healthy or when he'll be healthy, but that's okay. They don't need him. They still got Quandre Diggs at that free safety. And then they signed Julian Love, who can be a strong safety. He can be a slot corner. He can be an outside corner. He can be a free safety. Julian Love coming to the Seattle Seahawks from the New York Giants. That is a win. If Jamal Adams comes back, you have him play inside linebacker. And you keep Julian Love at safety. But as it stands right now, Jamal Adams, he's injured. Devin Bush, the Pittsburgh Steelers' 10th overall pick. The guy they traded up for, Pittsburgh Steelers did. Devin Bush, 
he signs with the Seattle Seahawks. He's going to be partnered with Jordan Brooks. That, I know it didn't work out with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but that could be something. We've seen time and time again, Pete Carroll, the meritocracy that is the Seattle Seahawks, one of the few franchises in the NFL that is a true meritocracy that lets the best player play, that invests in you and helps players develop, that allows Geno Smith to become the starting quarterback. The Seattle Seahawks, they're building things the right way and if we don't watch out the fact that Geno Smith got such a cheap contract and is capable of delivering Pro Bowl numbers on a barely starting quarterback contract. If this keeps up, the Seahawks may have cracked the code in the NFL.